Do you know what you're listening to? And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. Uh, there's nothing like waking up with a fresh cup of hot chocolate, because I gave up the caffeine to start the year. And a little bit of sports talk. Good morning, folks. Welcome to this edition, the latest and the greatest of Snowman in the Morning. And I'm going to ride this first segment with a guest, William Moore. Wild card stuff. What's up, William? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, my friend. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? How was your New Year's celebration? No. Very good, very good. How about you? I was in bed by ten thirty, so I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's look at some wild card matchups, and we start with what I think is the most interesting Saturday matchup. We'll break down the Sunday matchups a little bit later in the week. The Colts and the Bills from uh, Buffalo. And I want to start with this question for you. Can anyone slow down this Buffalo Bills offense? It's going to be tough. Um, you got Josh Allen playing at an elite level. I know Josh Allen, by the way. He's playing at an elite level. Um, the passing game is very, very good for, for the Bills. Uh, with Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs. Uh, hopefully John Brown will be back. Uh, the, the only... Achilles seal I see of my office is maybe the running game, as it's not the most consistent. But the passing of Josh Allen and that defense might be enough to carry him through against the Colts. You know something? I, I said that the Bills and Josh Allen were growing up right before our eyes. You see a lot mm -hmm. of shades of Jim Kelly running that offense with the famous K-Gun offense and the four wide receivers. It's just so sad that they are minus a consistent running game, or they would be the yep. number one seed and not the Chiefs. Possibly, possibly, um, because the way that passing game is working, you got to remember those old school Bills teams. They had Thurman Thomas there. Yes, and that was the one consistent they had. Yeah, they really don't have that consistent in the running game right now. Yeah, either Zach Morris or Singletary. So. Let's see what they do to, to kind of compensate for that. Yeah, we'll have we'll have to see what we'll have see what what they do. Let's take a look at the Indianapolis Colts. This is a team that I called to win the AFC South, but Tennessee was just too strong and they held them off. But how big of a surprise is it to see the Indianapolis Colts back in the postseason? It's great. It's really it's really a good thing. Uh, particularly if you're a Philip Rivers fan, if you want to see him go out on a high note, um, this may be T.Y. Hilton's last run um, with the team. And you're also seeing Jonathan Taylor emerge too. So it's so it's very good to see the Colts in the playoffs. Um, they might be that little sneaky surprise team no one's thinking about right now. They got a good defense. They got a good running game. The passing game is very good. Um, so that might be the one sleeper that no one's looking at. I said this earlier in the season, and you were one of the first to catch it and you know, send, and send it around when I said it earlier in the year. 
No one was talking about the Indianapolis Colts when they were challenging mm-hmm. for the division championship. When they were on a roll, they won, I, I believe, four in a row in the middle part of the year. And then they went to Tennessee and demolished them. No one, even then, was talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. 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 Gay Green Bay run for their money, too. Yeah. That comeback against Green Bay was was mm-hmm. something else. Are, mm-hmm. the, are the Bills, A, the only yes. threat to the Kansas City Chiefs? Or B, are they the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs? I think they're the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs because when you look at how your other teams are constructed out there, um, you look at teams like the Ravens, um, outside of Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown, the passing game is somewhat desired. And if you it can hold down that running game, the Ravens would be in trouble. Um, the Steelers don't have a run game to think of, even with a healthy James Conner. Uh, I think we're like 27th or 28th in the league in rushing. So I think that eliminates those two teams because KC can come in and just focus on one particular thing. Right. But with Buffalo, that Buffalo team, and give that Buffalo team another, uh, another, another piece of credit. The offensive line yes. is so much better. And I just think with that passing game, with Beasley running your possession game, you got Stephon Diggs, John Brown to stretch the field, got Knox at the tight end, he can come sneaking on the underneath as well. I think the Bills will be the biggest threat to the Chiefs. And that's why I love both the Bills and the Colts because of how complete those teams are and how, in many ways, both of them, if either of them get to Kansas City, they can give the Chiefs a hell of a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And one thing I would love, if it's the Colts, the one thing that I think you may see, you may see the Colts play play keep away. Yes. With Jonathan Taylor back there running, running the football, they can consistently can score, score, score. And I don't know if, look, Patrick Mahomes, I'm not saying, I'm not counting out Patrick Mahomes for anything. But right. man, if they don't get the football, the, the the thirty to thirty-one possessions they used to getting it, they might be in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen it a couple of times this year. The Chargers, the last game earlier in the year, and uh, Atlanta when they nearly pulled yep. off when they nearly pulled off the upset to the four forty game, and it's yep. in Seattle. The Los Angeles Rams at ten and six at the Seattle Seahawks. At 12 and 4, NFC West champions. Let's look at the Seattle side of things. How much will the Seahawks miss the 12th man in a home playoff game? Oh, it's going to sort of kind of hurt. That's going to hurt because when you're out there and your offense stalls, um, you look at that 12th man to get you through. Well, you don't have that 12th man this time around, so you're going to have to try to find a way to keep the ball moving. I guess a very good Rams defense. How about the Rams? Are they contenders or pretenders coming into wild card weekend? I want to say pretenders. Um, you don't know if you get golf back this week or not. I haven't heard on either side when he's coming back or not. Um, the Seattle Seahawks defense has gotten a whole lot better. So you might, 
it might make it hard for them to hit Woods, to hit Cooper Cup, um, and the way Dunlap is playing, their running game might suffer too. Um, I don't know if Cam Akers would be back. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Brown might have to be about there and do some things. So I think they're more pretenders than contenders. Um, and I know that sounds kind of funny, being that they were they were in the Super Bowl, but I just think those guys are um, won't be a very good uh, Seattle Seahawks team. Oh, and by the way, Tyler Lockett has a lot to account for, and I think he'll account for it in this game. And, and here's the here's the other thing that I think would make the Rams pretenders and not contenders. You mentioned the you mentioned the running game. You mentioned the the absence of of golf. Where has Tyler Higby been the last four weeks in this offense? Dis- disappeared, disappeared. <laughs> um, I knew, I knew he, I knew he was a fraud from almost day one. When um, I do fantasy football for Renee Washington, I'll be on the headlines with Renee Washington, and I never picked him right as a guy to watch for the week. Nor and did the I. Reason is the reason is. If you go back and look at his usage mm-hmm. compared to last year, it's not there. So I, 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 I've always thought that Higby has been somewhat fraudulent. Compare this usage to uh, compa- compared this usage to two years ago when the Rams went to the Super Bowl. After that Super Bowl year, the last two years we haven't seen Higby used much except for targets if at all, in this Rams offense. And on the Seattle side, and I've, I've yep. gotten so much flack for saying this about Russell Wilson, but if you look at the past six years in the regular season, first half of the season, the Seahawks are very balanced. They have a running game they can, they can mash you with. The second half right. of the year, very, very different. You wonder why Russell Wilson hasn't gotten the MVP votes that's why Seattle is too reliant on Russell Wilson in the second half of the year. Their game plan for some reason changes to be something very vanilla. Um, I, you think Chris Carson would be better used in the second half of the season than right. he was in the first half. And, not, and I know he's sort of kind of beat up, but even if you don't want to use Chris Carson back there, you still have a sharp penny back there. So you and a Carlos High. So you should mm-hmm. have running backs that can get the job done and take some of that heat off Russell Wilson. Yeah, and they they just don't they just don't game plan for it. Like you said, they just don't plan to use the running backs that they have in their stable. Like Marshawn mm-hmm. Lynch is going to walk off the plane in Seattle this weekend. Exactly, and you know be ready for for Saturday. They tried that last year and they got stuffed in their own house. The last game of the regular season. And I got more concerning that game in just a moment. Let's look at the final wild card game. It's Tampa Bay and the Washington Redskins in Washington. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying I'm saying it correctly. I get a lot of pushback for not saying it's the Washington football team. I know that, but I grew up with the Washington with them being called the Washington Redskins. I'm looking at this from a sportsman's <laughs> standpoint. The most important question uh, I have for you is, can Tom Brady lead the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl? My answer is no. I want to say no, and I want to say no for a couple of reasons. First, again, 
they still have offensive line problems. When you blitz them, you can get them. Yep. When you blitz, you can get them. Absolutely. He, he, he's not. He's not. As we all know, he's not through the foot. Um, and we blitz him once, twice, three times, as you see with the New Orleans Saints. Yes. He starts making mistakes. He starts making errors. Big on mistakes. Side of the, on the defensive side of football, oh, that's, that's secondary. That secondary can be had. They mm-hmm. might get by the they might get by the Washington football team because let's call it let's call it for real. They're the best of the bad. Yes, but they're but I think they're just a little too bad to get past Tampa Bay. Let's uh, uh, let's look at a couple of other let's look at a couple of other things before we go mm-hmm. to before we go to break here. If there's a team in the NFC that did not make the playoffs this year that will next year, who is that team? Right now, looking at everything as a whole, and health is a bit concerned of it, I want to say the 49ers. Thank you. Thank you. The team that everyone should fear most will be back next year, and it's San Francisco. They were just littered with injuries this year. And all of the Garoppolo talk going elsewhere, you can you can lay that to rest. He's not going anywhere. Shanahan has already said, Garoppolo's my quarterback. And I really feel the 49ers are going to get healthy. They're going to have a full offseason. And they, they there are a couple of picks out there. One an offensive lineman, one a wide receiver. I won't reveal their names until we start talking draft after the Super Bowl. And believe me, this gentleman's going to ride with me. There's a offensive lineman out of Texas, and there's a wide receiver that I think the 49ers can go after with their with their picks in the first and the second round. Why, everybody rolled off San Francisco because of one bad performance. And then the, the injury started piling up after the Arizona game to begin the season. When they're yeah. healthy, they're on. I think another thing, too, and it's kind of like a, 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 a silver lining in a, in a bad cloud. Um, you have a lot of guys step up and get experience this year. Mm-hmm. You saw most of the out for most of the year, but Jeff Wilson Jr. had a good year. Yes, he did. Um, Brandon Nayuk had a decent had a decent year. Yep. Um, so some of these guys you may have to rely on next year to start getting valuable experience and playing time this year. And um, I just like the way that their position was. Uh, first within that division, and second, when you look at the positions that got hurt, they'll yep. get back. Yep. So I just think that those guys would be the team next year to watch out for once they get healthy and get a full slate, full, a full healthy roster. That's William Morgan, the man in charge of the Sports Report. He teams up with Renee Washington. You can check him out online and follow him on Twitter at WillieMorg7. Thanks for riding shotgun, my friend, to kick off the show. I appreciate it. You're quite welcome. Have a great night. Man, I tell you, and he said the same thing. The 49ers are going to be the team to beat in the NFC. Okay? They're going to be healthy. They're going to be hungry. 
and they're just going to be ready to roll next year. Back after this. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and auto repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamRetire.com. Jay Spivey has partnered with Sports Carolina Monthly to bring you SCM Plus, a subscription service where you can get inside info weekly on your favorite teams and players in North Carolina. Subscribe for only $4 a month at SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. And I say Happy New Year to Jay Spivey as he joins me right now via the Beamer Tire and Auto Hotline. J-Bo, Happy New Year, man. You too, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How was your New Year? I did absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, on New Year's Eve, I fell asleep about 10.30 and woke up about five minutes after the ball dropped. And luckily, I was able to see it because I kind of semi-palsied my DVR. So I saw, I saw it, but it wasn't live. I did not a doggone thing. My wife and I got to sleep at 10.30 Next thing we knew, it was the new year. That's my kind of celebration. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. I mean, I had—I'm not a big drinker at all, but I, I had every intention of having a glass of wine, and I fell asleep about ten thirty. About an hour and a half later, I woke up. That's all I can really remember. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the be- that's that's the best thing. Let's get to it. High school basketball tips off this week across North Carolina. The first one I want to hit. Your thoughts on the mask mandate for players on the court this season? Brian, I know it's going to be uncomfortable for players and coaches and even the trainers themselves or even the athletic directors of each school. But at this point, with the way things are, it's probably the only way they can really go if they want to truly have, have any any sort of season whatsoever. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. It's, it's probably going to be very unusual for the kids to run up and down the court, and they just going to adjust to it, and the coaches are going to adjust to it too. But uh, hopefully, nobody's going to get injured coming or you know lose their breath or whatever. But it, it just the way the numbers are and the COVID things the way they are, they're just going to have to play any any summit for the season. Yeah, I I think that way too. Andy Muse was on with me uh, yesterday. And he he thinks the same way. The the first thing I asked him is, what is your objective for the season? And he said, just to keep the kids safe. And this mask mandate is only going to help the numbers the numbers decline. And I also agree with you when you say this is probably the biggest way we can not only have a season but complete one. Well, hopefully the season as we as we sit here and speak on Monday night, the season supposedly started tonight. I already know some issues here in Forsyth County with teams having to postpone and cancel games. Yeah, you know, I've spoken on a number of coaches over the last couple of weeks. They're they're not even looking ahead toward the end of the season. They're really just kind of going day by day, and hope, hopefully they can get through one game at a time. Yeah, that's the that's that's the goal. Can you do you really think a full high school basketball season can be played? Only if everybody follows the protocols. And I was telling a friend of mine who's a coach here in Black County, um, you know, this earlier this afternoon that yeah, there's there's no real leadership from the top all the way down. From you talking about the state level to the 
high school athletic association level, which they have their protocols, but they really can't enforce what they're trying to do because trying to do because there's so many schools. And then you have this um, county and city level. You have your athletic directors. There's no real set guidelines. You know, like Forsyth County's got totally different rules than other counties. Um, so hopefully they can get through the season because it's only a 14 game season if you play if you can play 14 games. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to go you're going to go game by game, and there's already been issues before the season has even technically started, it's going to be nearly impossible to get this done. Yeah. And we see it, and we we saw it in college. We saw it in some of the pros. The NBA's having their issues. It's gonna be it's gonna be a real issue to get through this season. But looking ahead, I, I ran I ran into uh, I, I ran into a girls coach here here at uh, Harris Theater last yesterday, and uh, yeah, I ran into he's a uh, girls coach here in Forsyth County, and I ran into him yesterday at, at Harris Theater, and we were talking about this very issue. And and I, my biggest thing is if. College is having this big of an issue, and even today with Kevin Durant having a seven-day quarantine. If college is having this big of an issue, how on earth do you expect to kind of police this in high school? It's yeah. just going to be nearly impossible. It, it is. It, it, it is. It's um, it's something Andy Muse said also when I had him on yesterday. Day by day, they're not looking toward the end of the season. They're tech, they're looking looking day by day, and with the way with the way things are. I'm hoping there's a complete season because that's my selfish um, thing as a broadcaster because I love watching these kids play. But at the same time, I agree with you and Coach Muse. Safety is the most important thing, especially for these kids. Well, he's like, you know, not that there's a quote-unquote leader among high school coaches, but Andy's probably, I think he's probably the most tenured boys head coach of Forsyth County. And, and he's the like, the Muse family is like you know the you know the basketball family of Forsyth County as you probably well know. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, grandfather, father, and now now Andy's son is now the head coach at Reagan High School. So there's three generations of, of Muse coaches. Yeah. So I mean, if if he's saying if he's saying that, then people should take note and listen. Yeah, yeah, people should take a should take a note and listen. Uh, Jay Spivey joining me here. Follow him online at Jay Spivey WSJ. Um, who are three teams to watch for in the triad? For one, I would say, prop, the, you know, if we're looking at 4A, Reynolds is probably the best 4A team. Uh, they've, they've been really good the last couple of years. Uh, they went to the state, uh, well, a lot of people call it the semifinals. It was a Western Regional Final two years ago and lost to West Charlotte in the Regional Final a couple years ago. And then last year they won the Central Piedmont Conference. And when the coaches I've spoken to so far, you know, leading up to this season, they're they're the pick to win the conference again this year. Um, Mount Sabre's always good with Andy Muse. So like you were just saying, Andy's been there forever. He's always got really good players. And then after that, if you're looking at Greensboro, probably Dudley and Smith are really good. Uh, I just don't see them enough. But, you know, Dudley and Smith are in the same conference as Mount Tabor, so it's always a war. And and Southwest Gilbert is always good, too. We're scheduled to uh, see Mount Tabor Friday night at Winston-Salem Prep. That's a game you'll hear on uh, Tobacco Road Sports Radio as well as other stations in the triad. What are three – who are three players you're looking at to watch for in the triad? 
Well, Brian, I, I, I hate I hate to kind of evade that question because I, I really don't <laughs> want to, but it's, it's just like you, you really don't know right now. You really right. don't know, you know, because it's been it's been you know basically ten months since anybody's played anything. True. And uh, you, you just don't know what these kids are doing because I spoke to a coach over the weekend. You know, and I'm sure this is the case for all the schools. It just happened to be what he said, but you know, they really haven't had any workouts at all. They haven't. They weren't even able to scrimmage yeah. with any other team. So, yeah, from end of February to now, there's so many questions. You don't know what any team is going to be like. Yeah, that 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 is so true. That's a that's a question I wanted to ask. But I totally understand why you stepped away from it because you haven't seen you haven't seen anybody. No, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to evade your question at all because there are a lot of great boys and girls basketball players in this area. Don't get me wrong, but there's just you just there's so many questions and so much uncertainty about this season, not just basketball but any sport. Yeah, there just is. And you know, another big issue is that you know I follow the South County very closely and some other some of the other surrounding counties. But, because I kind of got a lot of new boys they coaches this year, and you just don't know what else. Like, especially since they haven't been able to work out and scrimmage or anything, really. Has it been tough on the kids or the coaches more that they have the kids have been able to scrimmage or work out or get, or get some workouts in in, pre- in preparation for this season? I think it's probably, when you actually think about it, it's probably harder on the coaches because they're just not used to that. The kids will, get, the kids will adjust. And, I mean, they're, they're younger and they're young. They'll just assuming they could play without any problems, which is a big question mark. Um, but the coaches have never had to do anything like this. I mean, the kids are 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. You know, the coaches, you know, some of them been around 30, 40 years. They've never had anything like this. Yeah, that's true. That's an adjustment and a half just for the coaches. Um, the fan capacity, I suspect, is going to be down I, I just suspect a oh, lot of things. Yeah, you're only allowed. You're only allowed 25 people per, per gym. So I mean, there's not going to be any fan environment whatsoever. Yeah, how tough is that going to be on the kids? Not having that that fan environment to to push them through, like if they're staging a comeback or something. That that's a very good question. I, I would suspect the kids who are used to it, especially the upperclassmen who are used to it, they've been around for a long time. It's going to be a big adjustment for these kids. So. You know, some of the gyms are packed on a given Tuesday or Friday or any other night that they play. And, you know, they use that motivation to kind of get them through a game or if they're, if they're down or trying to hold off on an opponent. But they use that extra little push to get them through. Is it going to be the same kind of capacity situation for football and baseball as well? Yeah, we're going to see about that because football starts the end of February. Uh, you can actually start playing games in the February, and then baseball, I believe, in March, somewhere in March. Um, that's, the only difference is I'm sure they're going to have limited crowd capacities at these stadiums, kind of like what you see in NFL and college games with spacing and uh, you know social distancing and that type of thing, and everyone's about to wear a mask. I mean, if the fans are upset. They're just going to get used to it. They're going to have to wear a mask. They're just going to have to. Absolutely. And there's probably going to be a lot of fans – Probably going to be a lot of fans turned away at all these different games because they're not going to be able to get into some of these games. A lot of these games are going to be mostly parents, mostly parents. And with 25 people, some parents are going to have to sit in their cars or sit at home. Yeah. 
Or they can listen to us with the games that that, that we're going to yeah. cover. That's Jay Spivey joining me here. He has partnered with Sports Carolina Monthly to bring you SCM Plus, a subscription service where you can get inside info weekly on your favorite teams and players in North Carolina for only $4 a month. You can follow him online at WSJ. Always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. I enjoy it myself. Thank you very much, and you, you, uh, you have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Oh, boy. It's going to be tough because I'm so used as a, a play-by-play announcer to see all the fans fill up the arenas and fill up the gyms and fill up the stadiums, and now that can't happen, at least for the time being, uh, until we get to a safer level. So I don't mind these rules being in place for the kids to be safe and for everyone around them to be safe. Back after this. All right, time to talk some Panthers. And to do that, I welcome the legendary voice of the Carolina Panthers, Mick Mixon, who joins me right now via the Beamer Tire and Auto Hotline. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Good to talk to you. Same goes here, Brian. How are things? Things are good. I had a nice, quiet New Year celebration and was conked out most of the day. <laughs> that sounds like pretty good living to me. <laughs> yeah, we had a great we had a great celebration here. Let's talk some Panthers. They fall to the Saints 33-7 to to end the 2020 season. What was your biggest surprise looking back at this 2020 season? I think just the fight that's in this club. I, I've, I, don't have, I hadn't had the access that we would normally have during a non-COVID campaign, Brian, you can imagine. But just from a distance, I've been able to eavesdrop on just enough conversations over here some of these coaches doing their jobs and they're just it's just Matt Rule's a natural born teacher educator he um I mean I would drive I would drive hundreds of miles and wait in line for hours just to hear him talk about performance psychology motivation uh football itself he's just he just brings you in with his ability to communicate and his team reflected that with no training camp without Christian McCaffrey without KK Short with with no preseason games, whole new staff, uh, it's amazing they were even able to function and play well enough to be in some of the close games that, that disappointed the team and Panther fans uh, by not being – ended up being victories. The future of Teddy Bridgewater, he was pulled in the second half, not due to injury but to, co- but to a coach's decision, two red zone interceptions on Sunday. Do you feel that Bridgewater will open the 2021 season – as the starting quarterback, or was his ceiling exposed this year? I um, I was I was late to this dance. I mean, I, I was probably one of the last ones around here, and I'm talking to you now from from Bank of America Stadium, where I, where my office is, a little cubicle area, and uh, people around me were saying, you know, make the shine is a little bit off the penny, and I I didn't want to believe it, but I, I think that you just have to look at it for what it was: the losses in close games couple of miscommunications in, in key situations, not um, executing at the high level that Bridgewater, the standard he sets for himself. 
I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think the Panthers will part company with him. I think he'll be back, but it also wouldn't shock me. And Teddy understands this. He's, I mean, he's, his eyes are wide open about this process. He understands this performance space. It would not surprise me if there was not either a free agent or two brought in or maybe even a draft pick brought in to compete with him. Mick Mixon joining me here on the program, the legendary voice of the Carolina Panthers. Christian McCaffrey spoke to the media Monday and revealed sitting Sunday was a coach's decision. You think the Panthers messed up by paying McCaffrey that large extension? I would think not. No, gosh, no. Mother Nature only gives you one Christian McCaffrey every couple of hundred million births, if that. And warrior kings like McCaffrey are hard to find and and he one of the things I thought was interesting Brian about his comments yesterday was he also said that sometimes he can be his own worst enemy you know overtraining can be as harmful to an athlete as under under training and so McCaffrey probably he might have attacked his rehab too hard possibly picked that quad up maybe by by trying to get himself back uh, in playing condition too aggressively only Christian really knows that but no I think that um, it's all I mean I look at it this way it's almost as if the Panthers have a it's almost kind of found money in a way we'll have a brand new first round draft pick next year because we had to subsist without him this year so it'll just be a joyous Noel when we have him this coming season understood your thoughts on the growth of this young defense under defensive coordinator Phil Snow from beginning of the season to the end I think we knew it was going to be a challenge, didn't we, with seven rookies, uh, all defensive players oh, in yeah. the draft, and mm-hmm. then playing this murderer's row of quarterbacks. You know, just in our division, you face Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Tom Brady twice a year, and then we got Aaron Rodgers on the schedule and, and a bunch of other good ones, but that's just kind of the way it is. But I think that, number one, this is a developmental staff. This staff believes that twos become ones, threes become twos. The Panthers substitute like it's a blue light special at Kmart. I mean, you got people running in and running out every snap, and that pays dividends. It's harder to do, but it's the best way to do it. Number two, I think this defense really found something the last couple of weeks. Turned up a couple of notches, getting more pressure, getting more uh, sacks. Uh, Dante Jackson's a big reason for that because of his return to health from a turf toe injury. So uh, I think the future is extremely bright, I predict. That absolute victory will be coming to the, to the Carolinas from Matt Rule's Panthers. It may be a year or two away, but it's coming. I think it's coming also. You know, and you brought up something, Mick, just the fight with this team, even when everything seems to go left. They continue to fight and they continue to push. They do not. They don't know any other way. If you want to really irritate Matt Rule, ask him, What's to be gained by winning a late-season game when you're out of the playoffs? Right. Why not just tank and, and position for draft pick? It's so antithetical to what he's preaching and what he's exporting and what he's brought here that he believes it doesn't work. He believes that winners win, and you practice winning, and you get accustomed to it, and that your habits define your character. Isn't that amazing? That well, is indeed amazing. That's amazing to hear from... Uh, not just a coach, but a first-year NFL coach. Wide receiver Curtis Samuel really showed off the past two weeks. Who would be a bigger priority to be signed, Curtis Samuel or offensive lineman Taylor Moten? 
can I uh, can I buy a vowel? Can I uh, spin the wheel again? May I uh, say both? Oh gosh, that's a tough question. <laughs> that's and one of those. The salary cap's going to be shrinking this year. Yeah, so this, this arithmetic is made even more complex by a salary cap number that's going to be challenging for the Panthers to do it. And I just can't imagine they. I'm 62 years old. These young, these young athletes, they they almost feel like my children in a way. I just I can't imagine a world where Taylor Moten is wearing another color uniform or where Curtis Samuel is not a Carolina Panther. Right. I totally agree. I, I hope they find a way to sign both of them because both of them are, are, are key to the Carolina Panthers team, not just the offense, but the team. Who's your offensive player of the year? Offensive player of the year. Let's see. I might have said Mike Davis at one time for the inspirational way he ran the ball, the broken tackles. Uh, Taylor Moten would be a good candidate. Moten just kind of quietly goes about his his uh, his job, and it's and the and the receivers take votes away from each other. You could pick Curtis Samuel, you could pick DJ Moore, you could pick Robbie Anderson because all three of them had the gaudy stats. But to pick one seems like an insult to the two that you don't pick. So I'm going to go with Taylor Moten uh, because of just uh, to be a good player you got to be you got to be out there you got to be healthy and Moten is durable and so he gets my vote who would you vote for I'd go the same way being a for, being a former offensive lineman myself uh, watching a lot of offensive linemen over 20 plus years high school and college I go the same way with Taylor Moten because he's he's a lunch pail kind of guy for me he brings this lunch pail, brings his hard hat, puts his helmet on, and goes to work. That's what I love about him. Agreed. And he's got the Moten spike, the Timo spike, where his teammates, whenever there's a touchdown, they hand the ball to Moten, and he does this Ralph Cramden, uh, Jackie Gleason, kind <laughs> yes. of away we go leg kick, and then spikes the ball, and that's just so much fun to watch. <laughs> it really is. How about your defensive player of the year? I think I know the answer, but I want to I want to see what you say. Oh, it would be no surprise. I, I got to go with the kid, Jeremy Chin. Yes. With the course load that was he was tasked with, having to learn all those positions. And just, the, I mean, he's a pro. He, he's he's a rookie. We all know that. But as Steve Atwater's nephew, as, as just this just thumper uh, back there, and his teammates really admire him too. I mean, even the veteran guys, they 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 don't worry about uh, about Jeremy Chin uh, meeting their standard. They don't want to let Jeremy Chin down. I love that. And the game in Minnesota kind of gave me the clue, really, on what kind of what kind of player he's going to be. I already knew what kind of player he was going to be, you know, in his rookie season. But that game in Minnesota. Two fumble returns for touchdowns within ten seconds. I mean that 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 just made my eyes bug out at the screen watching it. Me too. And and my first thought was, I wonder if that's an NFL record. But then my second thought was, of course it's an NFL record. That there's no way. <laughs> there's no way anyone's ever done this before. Exactly. I, I agree with you. Jeremy Chin is my Panthers Defensive Player of the Year. Did you leave the season with a sense that the Panthers were moving in the right direction? Yeah, the the Saints game is a little bitter, but 
the Saints are good. I mean, they're they're in a different. That's a veteran team, playoff bound. Drew Brees, first ballot Hall of Famer, and all that. But I re, I believe I would bet my I wouldn't bet my life on it, but I bet my truck on it, and I love my truck. <laughs> that something special is brewing here in the Carolinas, and that there's not there's no denying. It. I mean, there's it's not the Panthers are going to be winners. The Panthers are going to be consistently good. Yes. Under Matt Rule, he's he's too talented. He's too hard to work in the staff. It's grinded. David Tepper has has given the resources. The state of the art facility is being built down in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I mean, second to none. So buy up all the Panther stock you can. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see it happen. You know, the more years I, I, I cover I cover this team. That's the legendary voice of the Carolina Panthers, Mick Mixon, joining me here on the program. He joins via the Beamer Tyrant Auto Hotline. Three locations in the Triad, Greensboro, High Point, and Kernersville. Try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot. Down the stretch we come here on Snowman in the Morning, back after this.